0: Hello friends, and welcome to Canvas Continued on the Canvas Young Adults podcast from Grant Memorial Church. Hello everyone, and Happy New Year. This is Dom from the Canvas community at Grant Memorial Church. Welcome to the first episode of Canvas Continued in 2021. Canvas Continued is a monthly podcast where we are having teaching and interviews based on a different theme each month. For the past few months, we have explored relevant topics such as spiritual disciplines and navigating conflict in our relationships, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to past episodes if you missed any. We've had great interviews in the last couple months, especially with a few of the directors from our church. In this month's episode, we are discussing the topic of mental health. This is an important theme for us to discuss as a community. Because even if you have not personally experienced issues with your mental health, and I know many in our community have, then you likely know someone who has. No matter where we are in terms of our mental health, it's such an important conversation. And this episode was released on January 28th, which is Bell Let's Talk Day. This is a time of year where we have conversations on mental health as a society, and so as a ministry. We believe that the church should be engaged in this conversation in a meaningful way. And this podcast episode is part of that. In this episode, we will have a couple testimonies from young adults in our community who have walked through struggles with their mental health. We will hear about what they experienced, as well as how they found hope and healing. We're thankful for both Becca and Nathan for sharing with us. And we're sharing their stories as an encouragement. An encouragement to you that if you are struggling, you are not alone, and there is hope. And at the end, I sit down briefly with Sean Sagert, the Director of Pastoral Care at our church, and he shares about ways that our church can support you if you are struggling. So Becca, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You have been on the Canvas podcast before, uh, but if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't remember or haven't heard your interview from back in the summer.
1: Yeah. So my, yeah, like Dom said, my name is Becca. I'm on staff here now at the church. That's something new since the last time I was on the podcast, I think. Uh, So yeah, I work in the youth department and a little bit in worship. Um, I've been a part of the grant community for about 10 years now. And yeah, I, I love this church, and I've even when I've moved away and come back, I've always come back to Grant, which is really
0: great. Yeah, tell us a little bit about moving away and coming back. What is that? I'm, you were in school in Edmonton, I was. and now you're doing a distance.
1: Yeah. So at first I actually, after high school, I moved out to Australia and then I came back. And then, uh, last September I moved out to Edmonton to go to school out there and now I'm back again. <laughs> so I'm just doing it distance now.
0: Yeah. And we're glad to have you back. Um, yeah, having back on staff, having you on staff has yeah. been really great for oh, our youth thanks. ministry. Um, so thanks for being part of the team. Thanks. And so today we are sitting down to have a brief conversation about mental health and to hear your testimony. Uh, during this episode, we want to sit down with people to hear about their journey with mental health, mm. how they've walked through it in their own lives, what has been helpful as they have found hope and healing. Uh, and so we would love to hear from you today, Becca, For sure. uh, if you could share with us a little bit uh, briefly about your journey with mental health in sure. your own life.
1: Yeah. So Um, if I'm being honest, I, growing up, I always thought I would never be one of those people that like struggle with mental health. And I always was just like, oh no, like I'm fine. Um, and things kind of changed actually. When I was 18, I moved to Australia, like I said, and like a normal, you know, 18 year old moving across the world. Like I was really nervous when I moved there because I had never really had to make friends on my own before. And I was Super anxious that like people wouldn't like me or that like I would not make any friends. And obviously like, some of that is like normal for moving mm-hmm. across the world right. and like learning to make new friends. Um, and eventually like I think four or five months had gone by and I'd been living there. And that feeling of like the anxious feeling of like no one's going to like me or how am I going to make friends? It never really went away. Um, And I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just ignore it and maybe it'll go away, which is not how that stuff usually works. Um, And then, you know, some time had passed and I I came home and I still was having a lot of struggles with like Hmm. feeling super anxious all the time. And really just, how do I say, I guess like just ruminating and just being so focused on like worrying about so many different things that were just very distressing, honestly, and big things, little things it didn't matter. I was really just kind of stuck in this pattern of really anxious thoughts. And so, yeah, that kind of just continued to get worse and worse. And I didn't really, I kind of just had the thought like, oh, eventually it'll go away and I won't have to worry about it and it'll just take care of itself, which didn't happen but (laughs) Mm -hmm. and finally I had a very close friend who I often would vent about about the way I was was feeling and all that kind of stuff and they kind of just said to me Becca maybe you should go and like seek some help for this because obviously it's not going away on its own and it's been really stressful and really tough and it had been really draining my energy and kind of just consuming all of my my time is what it felt like um and so yeah I started like seeing a, a therapist and honestly like that was really helpful and I, even now like it, you know it's been I'm 23 now and this whole journey kind of started when I was 18 and it's kind of gotten like better and worse over the years and obviously different seasons of my life sometimes I'm you know practicing rhythms that are really helpful and sometimes I'm slacking on those and noticing the difference but I think yeah over like kind of the last five years it's been really interesting to see now kind of just like the journey that I've been on um, and a journey I never thought I would go on but it's been good and bad. And I've learned a lot about myself in the process. So
0: for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think something that you said mm-hmm. stands out to me. There are a couple of things there that I think are really helpful for people to hear. Mm. The first thing that you mentioned is that, um, you, you seem to be making a distinction and I think that's wise between, worry, like Mm -hmm. situational worry and fear or anxious thoughts, Mm -hmm. which we all experience from time to time, whether that's over tests we have to take, Mm -hmm. uh, living in a new country by ourselves. So I think on the one hand, we have these things that we all walk through, we all experience um, that are normal Mm -hmm. in a sense. But then I hear you talking about this transition Mm -hmm. where it was no longer um, connected Yeah. So you're saying in, in Australia, you Mm -hmm. know, it was, it started maybe connected with feelings of, um, feeling homesick or, um, you know, living in a new
1: place. Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. But then it sounds like it sort of evolved or changed into something else where it was almost Mm -hmm. disconnected. It was just this, you use the word pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, is that fair to say that you think there's a difference between those two?
1: Oh, definitely. And yeah, like, obviously like, there are so many situations where it's normal to feel anxious about it. And like, it'd be weird if you did not right. Like, yeah. and I think, yeah. So I kind of realized after some time, kind of like you said, yeah, it wasn't really connected to like this moving away anymore. It was just kind of like my normal everyday reality rather than like being about one specific thing anymore. Mm.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, and when you made that, when you were aware of that yeah. Um, and you acknowledged that, that this was no longer just, I'm, um, you know, yeah. feeling weird about being away from home, <laughs> yeah. which is normal. Of course, um, but it sounds like you had awareness in yeah. recognizing this isn't this isn't normal. Yeah. In, in a sense. Oh, totally. um, Now it is normal to struggle with mental health issues, of course. But, um, but yeah, you were realizing it wasn't connected to anything, and that's the yeah. point at which you yeah. sought help. So that's the second thing I wanted to ask about. You mm-hmm. talked a little bit about um, rhythms. Is yeah. the word you used? Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about that? So as you have walked through this journey Mm -hmm. with anxiety, um, what have been some of the rhythms? You mentioned counseling, which is an awesome tool. Um, What are some of the other rhythms in addition to counseling that you have found helpful uh, in finding hope and healing as you walk through this season?
1: Sure. Yeah. So um, through my counseling and even now I'm studying counseling and psychology and stuff, I've learned how for a lot of people who deal with like a lot of anxious thoughts and that kind of stuff, like having patterns in your life can be very helpful. And so for me, at least, like it sounds kind of dumb, but (laughs) like every day, like I get up and I have my morning routine and most people do, but I'm the kind of person that's like, it needs to be in this set order. And maybe that's, a little too rigid, but I find for me, at least like when I have, you know, this pattern of like, okay, so I get up and I take a shower and then I do this and then I do this, like in this specific order. For me, at least it's very helpful to kind of starting my day off on the right foot. Um, And even like, this was more so pre-COVID when we were able to do this, but um, I, you know, was going to the gym and working out three times a week. And even that it's like, for me, at least it helped to kind of take my mind off of the things that I was thinking about. And it was like kind of focused on something that was purely like just a physical thing that I was doing. And even a lot of people know this already, but you know, working out that releases like the happy chemicals in your brain. And so even that is super, super good for people Mm -hmm. who struggle with like mental health and that kind of stuff. Um, and I think even it was just like noticing myself when I was feeling more anxious and not just, kind of pushing those feelings down, but actually like feeling my feelings and taking that energy and that kind of stuff and channeling it into something that was more positive rather than just like letting myself linger in those negative thoughts and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's kind of like, obviously it's kind of different for everyone. Um, And, you know, you kind of have to discover for yourself, like, what are things that work? What are things that don't work um, for you? And... Yeah, like I said as well, like counseling has been extremely helpful for me, um, and just having the space to just talk and not have to censor myself at all, and knowing that the person who's listening and you know talking back, they this is what they do, like they're trained to know like how to help me, and it's I think sometimes at least for me, I kind of thought that counseling was just like oh like you're just talking to somebody, like why would I need to pay somebody to talk to them. But it wasn't until I actually found like a really good therapist, counselor, whatever you want to call them, who was able to kind of help me realize like, oh, these are the thought patterns that I'm getting stuck in. And these are some ways to help me get out of them. So I would think even like if you're someone who like, feels anxious a lot of the time, it would probably be very helpful for you to maybe see a counselor. And obviously it's not something that is cheap, but for me, at least it has been very well worth the money that I've spent. And I've been able to see like a very noticeable difference in myself. And even the people around me have been able to point that out as well. So for me, that's been extremely helpful.
0: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It strikes me that in counseling, um, you're right. In in a sense, it is somebody to talk to, which we can hopefully find in family (laughs) Mm. members or in friends or pastors or people in our lives, Mm -hmm. but it is different because they're professionals and what they're able to provide is tools and Mm -hmm. strategies and resources um, that we can use when we are with whatever mental health issues we Mm -hmm. are experiencing, they can provide us, equip us with what we might need um, to walk through those things well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is, so helpful. Yeah. For sure.
1: And I think even kind of another facet of that for me, that was really helpful was knowing that, you know, the things that I said in in my sessions with my, with my counselor were like, they were private obviously, but also like I could just say what I needed to say. It would not have any effect on my life outside. Whereas sometimes, you know, for me at least, um, there were certain things like, I didn't want to talk to my friends about them cause I felt like it would change the way that, you know, our relationship was or whatever, you know, good or bad. And that may or may not have been true, but it's just nice to have a space where, you know, you don't need to censor yourself. Like you don't need to care about your therapist's like feelings. Like you don't need to worry like, Oh, what I'm saying, like it might hurt them or whatever. Like, you know, sometimes we do with our friends. Like, so I think, yeah, for me, even that was a big part of it as well.
0: And I've heard it said before that, um, and this is a little bit extreme, but the idea that counselors don't care about you. They care yeah. about your mental health.
1: Oh, totally. And I
0: think that's a really important distinction because our friends and family rightfully, hopefully yeah. do care about yeah. us as people, right? And know mm. a lot about our lives. And 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 the difference with counselors is that obviously they do care about us. Yeah. Um, but like you said, whatever we say to them, whatever we're sharing, we don't mm. really have to worry about how it makes us look exactly. or which we maybe do with friends and family oh, totally so that's yeah one of many totally. reasons to see a counselor yeah. i think if you're mm-hmm. uh, experiencing issues so i guess that brings me to the last question and you you've addressed it a little bit becca yeah um if somebody listening to this podcast is thinking yeah i maybe they can relate to mm-hmm. what you said about um how you were you know you experienced some fear worry mm-hmm. anxiety about a situation in your life but even once that situation was gone mm-hmm. Uh, those feelings lingered and started attaching themselves to other things in your life. Maybe there's somebody listening who can Mm -hmm. relate to that, who thinks "Uh, that might be me. That Mm -hmm. might be something that I'm working through right now. What would be, You've already given some, but just to reiterate, what would be your advice to them?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, especially with counseling, like I kind of thought, oh, it's not, it's not that bad. I don't need it. But it wasn't until I actually started seeing a counselor that I realized how much I needed it. And so I would say, don't wait until you feel like it's quote unquote bad enough to go see a counselor. Like, you know, even if you're like, I don't, I'm just feeling unsure about my life. Like there's nothing wrong with going to see a counselor and just talking to them, even if you maybe don't have like a quote unquote mental health issue. Um, And I think even just being honest with some of the people in your life, like if you're not ready to go see a counselor, like, you know, find even one person that you can just be honest with them with how you're feeling. And even just knowing that there's somebody who you can go to when you need them is super helpful. And I think, yeah, like with a lot of things, like don't be afraid to be honest with people Um, and I mean, there's a lot of stigma still surrounding like mental health and mental illness, but um, there doesn't need to be (laughs) because it's a normal part of a lot of people's lives. So
0: for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it said. Um, I think what was helpful for me was hearing that, you know, we all have mental health. Yeah. We all have mental health. Mm -hmm. Whether we would rate that health as good or as not so good or as struggling Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. label we want to attach to it. We sometimes think of mental health as being only related to like the negative mental health or or harmful or difficult mental health seasons that sometimes people walk through. Mm -hmm. But we all have mental health. We all need to care for our mental health as we all have Mm -hmm. and need to care for our physical health. Um, So I would totally agree with you. I don't think people need to wait until, okay, I need, you know, to see a counselor. I need to wait until it feels like an emergency or it feels like things are really, you know, bad Mm -hmm. no like even if you're wondering about ah, there's these things i'm experiencing this is what i'm walking through i'm not quite sure how to label it i just Mm -hmm. need to talk to somebody about it um you can start with a friend or family but but i'm with you counseling i think is so helpful for that yeah cool thanks for coming in becca thank
1: you for having me
0: Welcome here, Nathan. Good to have you here on the Canvas Continued Podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. First time on here. First time. We're, we're excited to finally have you on. Um, why don't you introduce yourself for those who are listening who don't know who you are?
2: Yes. Well, it's a privilege to be on here. Thank you, Dom and the team. Um, yeah, my name is Nathan Pollock. I uh, work at Grant Memorial Church in the youth department. And uh, yeah, I just love serving our church by working with the youth. And uh, my family and I are still fairly new. We've moved to Winnipeg about two years ago. So
0: yeah, we love it. For sure, yeah. Where were you living before you lived in Winnipeg?
2: We were in beautiful British Columbia.
0: <laughs> I've, uh, heard, I've heard it said that
2: a lot of people have
0: asked you why you would move to Winnipeg from uh, from, where, from
2: Salmon Arm, BC, Yeah, which is much more beautiful. How do you answer that question? Why'd you move? Um, Well, we finished my schooling and we were looking um, like for a a job. I was looking for a job and uh, my wife uh, currently wasn't working. So kind of we were open for wherever God would lead us. Um, So the opportunity came up here and we just fell in love with the city and just how the city is just friendly and creative and just saw a lot of potential for God to move. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we just see a huge um, need for Jesus working in Winnipeg. There's a lot of uh, people that are hurting and we wanted to be a part of letting them know the good news of Christ. So for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And to encourage you uh, for a moment, I just want to say that you have done an awesome job in our youth ministry. Um, Thank you. You have brought a lot of creative creativity and energy um, sometimes almost too much energy, but always in the best ways. Um, Yeah, you've really brought new life to our youth ministry, and I I really appreciate working with you. Well, thank you. And I'm also excited to have you here on the show. Uh, So this month, Nathan, we are discussing mental health. Um, We're talking about uh, ways to find hope and healing as we journey through our mental health, whatever that looks like in our Hmm. own lives. Um, And so uh, we would love to hear a little bit of your testimony. Uh, If you wouldn't mind sharing and telling us a little bit about your journey with mental health in your own life.
2: No, this is really important, uh, especially in this kind of season. Um in Winnipeg it's cold, you wake up it's dark, you go home it's dark and um yeah, mental health is is starting to be a topic that's talked about more but still not enough. So, thank you guys for leading in this way. Um yeah, my mental health. <laughs> uh yeah, I uh didn't really think about mental health um, too much until I had a panic attack. Um, so, uh, in Salmon Arm, I was, um, working in a church and doing my schooling and my wife and I were expecting our first child and uh, a lot was going on. Um, we we're just, we're busy. Everyone I think is busy nowadays. So, uh, I think this, that plays a part in it, but, um, we were uh, headed to the hospital and uh, my wife was in labor and it was a really long labor. It was like 22 hours. And as, as guys are, I don't know, are, are you know, we're supposed to be the strong ones and they're supporting our wives and it's um, I haven't been through like some tragic events. I wouldn't, you know, for me, this was somewhat traumatic as just seeing your wife or someone you really care for um, going through a lot of pain and, Um, So we finally delivered our baby boy, um, Easton, and, um, you know, there was just a couple complications with the pregnancy. So you're kind of stressed and anxious and you're tired throughout that all. And um, so uh, after we delivered the baby, about um, half an hour later my wife passes out. So we have this newborn baby and my wife passes out and I'm like, what's going on? And the, mm-hmm. and the nurses are scared and they're calling the doctors back in and I'm starting to get stressed. Here's my wife in front of me, um, suffering and in pain and I can't do anything. And, um, they call back the doctor and, um, she just had some complications where she was losing a lot of blood and, um, I just was getting stressed, and so they had to bring her back into emergency and and patch her up, and uh, I was kind of holding this all in as the, you know, uh, being the strong husband that I uh, was in that situation, and um, that evening, we're trying to sleep, and, uh, you know, the baby's waking up, and it's all new, and uh, that night, I just woke up in the middle of the night. My heart was racing. I felt like, the adrenaline was flowing, flowing. I couldn't breathe, and I started having a panic attack. Thankfully, I was in a hospital, mm-hmm, right? And uh, so I went and talked to some nurses, and the nurses walked me down in the hall to the emergency room, and um, and they uh, took me in and checked my heart and and did a scan on me. And I was in there, and my wife woke up, and she's like, "Where's my husband?" They're like, <laughs> "Well, he's in the emergency oh, room." Oh, no. yeah. Oh, and just as a guy, like, my pride, like, just melted away. It's like, yeah, you know, you hear the stories about, you know, you you become a father now, right? And you're all stressed out. And I was like, yeah, I was in the emergency room. So that added to the stress. And, uh, you know, they checked my heart. And they're like, you know, your heart's fine. Yeah. they hook you up all to these machines, check your heart and your heart rhythm. And, and they said, you had a panic attack. And I was like, what are you talking mm. about?
0: So this was new to you, a new concept. Oh, to yeah. You.
2: No, this is the first time. I have put myself in tons of stressful situations before that. We worked at a camp and um, we ran huge events where I was in charge of like hundreds and hundreds of students and organizing them and planning it and. Drinking energy drinks and just like zero sleep, <laughs> right. and this has never happened. Like when I think back to times that should have uh, broken me, um, they didn't, and and this was the one. But obviously, it's because it was about something I really cared about, and mm-hmm. just a combination of of stress and um, lack of sleep, and not eating well, mm-hmm. and just worry. Right, consumed me, and yeah, and even and even to the point where it just affected my body so much that in the middle of the night, I just, my body couldn't take it anymore. So.
0: Right. So in that moment, they, after doing their tests told you, yeah, you've experienced a panic attack. Um, what was your reaction to that news?
2: Yeah. Like, I guess I should explain more like what a panic attack feels like. Cause maybe you haven't, like people might not have had one, but it literally feels like you're dying. Right. Like, uh, your heart rate is jumping up. Um, it goes really, really high. Like, um. I don't know. I don't know exact numbers, but it's super high, and you can feel that. um, It feels like you can't breathe. Like it feels like you're having a heart attack, and you and you can't breathe. So that was shocking. Like this, I literally thought I was dying, and that's the feeling that a lot of people have. Is like this is it? Mm -hmm. You know, like this is my heart attack, or this is my. You know, Mm -hmm. you start to think about. um, Yeah. like, what is my body doing? Or what's in my family history? You know, like, oh, my dad has, you know, heart problems, you know, maybe sure. this is it. Or yeah. Um, so coming to that realization was hard because, you know, I was younger. Um, this is around like um seven years ago. So, you know, 26. You think you can take on everything mm. and nothing fades. You think you're invincible. You. Yeah. Yeah, you're invincible. Right. And it just remind me of my brokenness and how frail life is and um you know things can change in a matter of minutes or seconds right right yeah so after that day
0: in the hospital uh what was the journey like for you after that is this something you continued to struggle with for a while Uh, what was the path like after that
2: yeah after your first one um if anyone's experienced this before you your biggest fear is having another one right um And we're still in the hospital, and I'm trying to be like the supportive husband, and at the same time, I'm just on edge. So they gave you, um, uh, when I was there, they gave me just like a, I don't know, the direct medicine, but it it like relaxes you Mm -hmm. and your body. And I remember they had given me one and then sent me back to the room so I could like actually sleep. And uh, my wife was laughing at me so much because I was, like, so mellow. was oh. <laughs> like, how are you doing after your panic attack? I'm like, great. What's <laughs> up? Right. Um, so uh, after that, I had a good sleep. But then I woke up the next day, and I just was, like, worried about having another one. And I remember trying to sleep that next day and just in fear that because it happened when I fell asleep mm-hmm. that if I sleep – it's gonna happen again. Right, yeah. And I'd, there was a part, like when it happened, my mind was like, I'm never gonna be the same. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Cause it was an overwhelming feeling that I couldn't get rid of as like, am I like damaged goods now? Like mm-hmm. am I permanently mm-hmm. broken? And it, like, you start to think like, how can I function? How mm-hmm. can I be a husband? How can I be a father? How can I go to work? Like those those feelings went through my mind. Mm -hmm. I remember like sweating at home, just thinking about how can I go sit and have a meeting at church, like Mm -hmm. just leaving the house.
0: Wow. Yeah.
2: So that just, a scary place to be in. Um, I just, I I felt like I couldn't function. And that's when I, um, you know, they, in the sense they diagnosed that I had a panic attack, but um, I didn't really have a, they didn't really give me a follow-up plan or anything like that.
0: Okay, right.
2: Um, so from there I went to my, um, family doctor, which, Mm -hmm. um, thankfully is just an amazing, smart man. Um, and we just talked through it, you know, like I was like, I can't be myself anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Everything is, you know, like, it's just all overwhelming. All, all your senses. Right. Mm Mm-hmm when you're when you're on edge I would call that when you're you're going through anxiety before a panic attack all sense of your smell is heightened um hmm. you know like you just any pain in your body that you would have normally not noticed like you, you accidentally like bumped your leg or something you'd go throughout your day but when you're on edge it's just heightened so mm-hmm. it's like what's wrong with my leg you know like mm-hmm. the fear of death enters your mind all the time. Like, what's wrong with me? Mm. Or, you know, if you had heartburn, you'd be like, my heart, there's something wrong with my heart, you know? Um, And that's what's happening in a panic attack is your adrenaline is flowing so much and you're in that fight or flight mode. And, um, that's why you're so sensitive, right? In fight or flight mode, your, your senses are high, your, your feelings are high, your emotions are high Mm -hmm. and that you're just riding that adrenaline and, And being anxious for me was just always on that adrenaline rush.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: So I talked with my doctor. We talked through some things. um, And I couldn't even think straight. Like, I I think um, there's lots of resources and counseling and talking through with someone. And I was at a point that my doctor and I agreed on that we couldn't even have those conversations just because I was so anxious all the time Hmm. that we needed to to balance that out. And I know there's different feelings about that, but I, for me, that's what helped was medicine. So mm-hmm. I had, um, some medication. If I had just a full on panic attack, it would just calm me down. Right. Um, so I would carry that with me literally everywhere. Like it was in my pocket for like six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I didn't have it in my pocket, that would actually make me anxious. Right. And that doesn't mean I'm taking it all the time. It just sure. was the comfort knowing of it's there. Yeah. knowing it's there. Yeah. And then I just was on, um, I don't know if they call it an antidepressant, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I forget um, what it was called, but it was just like a daily pill that would help okay. me yeah. help my my chemicals in my brain, like balance out so I'm not always in like um, fight mode, right? Like, right,
0: yeah.
2: Um, and that helped me big time. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean I didn't have panic attacks. Like they still happened.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: But that overwhelming feeling that, I was just waiting for the next panic attack started to fade away. Right. And it's taken a while. And I've had over the last six years now, there's been seasons that are harder and you start to kind of figure out triggers. Right. So for me, it was like around my birthday, I'm very anxious. Mm. I just, the trigger is like, I have um, all these expectations that I don't really say in my head. You know, you have a lot of expectations around your birthday. Right. Right. Oh, this is gonna be new year. It's gonna be a great day, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're getting older, da-da-da. Um, and then around Christmas is another time I find that I'm very anxious. And then just the whole winter season. And that has a lot to do, I think, with like sun and getting outside and moving and seeing people and yeah. And then sometimes I'm just more my senses are more heightened um than normal. So just some smells can be overwhelming and um Instead of like taking a, a panic attack medicine, I just have to kind of remove myself right from yeah. different smells that are kind of overwhelming me. Yeah. And then I don't know, it's sometimes it's more than others. So Right. It's been a big thing of just kind of trying to figure out triggers for me. Yeah. And just being being smart, right? Um yeah. just to help ease my mind. For sure. So yeah. I wouldn't say like it's gone away or I'm like Completely healed. I feel like this is uh, something that God's put in my life to help me grow and actually have compassion for people who are going through this. Like, right. um, it's hard to explain. Like, if you've talked to someone who's never had a panic attack, um, people, you know, are more compassionate to others. But if they haven't felt it before, it's hard for them to understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: would you say that having gone through this experience has made you? More compassionate towards those who walk through mental health issues or mental illness?
2: Oh, yeah. I can't even explain how many times it's come up with different people. Right. Like, I feel, um, unfortunately, uh, how things have been is like that anxiety and panic attacks have, are more common. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it just wasn't talked about, but when I grew up, I don't remember, right? Yeah. You know, hearing. Anxiety and panic, ta- panic attacks and and sure. suicide talk talked about as much um, and I think that has lots to do just with I don't know I have some theories but like technology and um, being in front of screens and not getting outside and right not living you know in the moment and yeah um, yeah and sometimes I have panic attacks for no apparent reason yeah. so that's the right. worst yeah. Because I'll try to, to explain it to my wife, um, and I'm just like, I don't know why. I'm just having one. Like, yeah. I, I have no, she's like, well, are you stressed about something? or? And it might, no, I'm like, I honestly do not know why this is happening right, right. now. So yeah. those are the worst.
0: Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it sounds to me like, um, you know, it, it sounds like medicine uh, in the first place was mm. a very helpful tool to you on yeah. your path of hope and healing. Um, mm. And I, I appreciate what you say about being able to identify um, having awareness of triggers, mm. of situations, of times of the year that make you more prone to anxiety um, and potentially into panic attacks. I think that's something that's really important for all of us um, to be aware of ourselves, to acknowledge how we're feeling in different situations, mm. um, to pay attention to the cues that our bodies give us mm. in certain seasons or times or places. Um, I think that's a really important part of managing our mental health. Um, yeah. And as we've said before, like we all have mental health, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not like uh, only people who have struggled have mental health. In the same way we all have physical health, we all have mental health. And um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing some of the steps that you've taken to maintain good mental health in mm-hmm. your own life. Although, if, as you say, there's ups and downs.
2: Yeah, no, I would love to say that it doesn't bother me anymore, but um, it does. Mm-hmm. Like there definitely have been seasons where I'm like, I haven't felt anything for six months. Sure. And then all of a sudden, if I'm a coffee, like too much caffeine in my system will set me off. So I'll, I'll go on decaf for a while. Right. But then I'll be drinking coffee and it will be fine. So it's weird how triggers come up, but you just kind of sure. have to, yeah. some of them, you know, If I'm already on edge and I'm on caffeine, then that will put me more on edge. Right. So it's like, okay, let's have some decaf today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'm curious in hearing, um, how has your journey through mental health, um, how has that connected to your faith? And what I'm not asking is, did prayer fix everything? (laughs) Now, and to be clear, I believe prayer is powerful. I believe we should pray about all things. Um, I also don't think like with our physical health prayer is always going to be the miracle solution. I think that there are tools God gives us, but I'm curious in hearing in your own life, how has uh, your faith interacted with your mental health?
2: Yeah. I think the big one for me is just um, Christian community, right? So my faith um, and the Bible tells me, you know, it's not all about me Mm -hmm. (laughs) that God has built us for community. And if I didn't have, My church and my family and my Christian friends and some non-Christian friends in my life, um, especially my Christian friends, pointing back to Christ. Mm -hmm. And especially ones who have experienced anxiety and panic attacks, Mm -hmm. just talking about it. Mm -hmm. Because they make you feel very alone, right? Like anxiety and depression and and uh, panic attacks, um, your brain's telling you that you need to, like, just get away and be alone, and that's what's mm. going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some validity in that, like, um, you need to take breaks and be restful. Sure. Yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. That's okay. But I think um, that's not all the rest you need. You also need to be encouraged and loved by other people and, and also... Get the focus off yourself and hang out with other people and bless other people. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, so my faith um, led me to a Christian community, and that community is what helped me through it. Awesome. You remember laying in my bed, right, like when I thought, oh, man, I'm never going to go to work and just like crying out to God. And and those are the moments, right, when you go through something that's hard like that. That's when you decide, is my faith real for me anymore? yeah am i going to trust god through this or try to do it by myself and if we don't have those moments in our life it's pretty easy to just kind of sail through life um you know just kind of like yeah i believe in god mm-hmm. but never actually get your faith tested
0: right so you and, would you would say that this experience these experiences you've had have brought you closer in your relationship with god
2: oh no 100% cuz it's 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 taught me to rely on god In the good moments and the bad moments, right? Like, yeah. um, And unfortunately, you can't
0: learn to rely on God during hard seasons if you don't experience hard seasons.
2: Yeah, and you can't relate with people, right? Like, it's there's there's a point you can, you know. It's like um, becoming a parent. You know, it's hard to, you know. I'm a I'm a youth pastor, so I talk with like parents. And before I had kids, you can you kind of know but it's different after you have kids. It's like, oh, this is okay. They're doing right. this because they really love their kid, you know? Sure. And yeah. I can relate with that now. And then when I talk about anxiety and depression and and suicide, it's from a point of desperately needing God to show up in my life. Which you've experienced. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. That's really encouraging. Nathan, what would you say, if there's a young adult listening who... um feels like they can relate to your story, maybe somebody who's struggling, but hasn't taken the step yet of talking to someone they trust, reaching out to their community, talking to their doctor, as you wisely did, what would be your encouragement to them?
2: Yeah, I think the first thing is just to talk to someone, anyone. Um, You're going to feel like broken and that no one's going to understand and no one's going to care, but you need to fight against that. And I mm-hmm. totally understand, like, um, you feel broken and you feel like no one's going to understand what you're going through, but um, maybe not to the same extent as Zurich's feeling, but there's people who, who have felt the same feelings as you and you need just to talk to someone and and the next step after that is hopefully talking to your doctor or counselor or a specialist. Um, I know our church has lots of resources. You can phone the front desk and they'll point you towards our pastor of care, um, Sean, and he can put you in touch with someone or even just meet with you or you can phone me. I don't care if it's in the middle of the night. I keep on telling people to phone me in the middle of the night if they have problems, but no one's phoned me yet. So... Um, <laughs> But you need to talk to someone and get in the start the process of of figuring out what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can only deny it for so long. Like I really didn't want to take medicine when I first talked to my doctor. I was like, "I'm tough enough," you know, like, "Right, I'm going to man <laughs> up through this." Yeah, and it was just like, "No, that's," you know, "like you need to get to a point where you can think clearly to kind of start to figure out those triggers, start to figure out." You know why your body's reacting in such a way, and and I'm not saying medicine fixes all, but sometimes it might be medicine for a while. So there's been seasons when I haven't had to be on medicine. Um, currently, right now, I am on just like a daily one, uh, but there's you know been years where I haven't been on it. So you know it's it's not permanent. It might be, and that's okay too. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I've heard it described before as a lifestyle of healing that it's often not, um, mental health issues are often not fixed with a, you know, silver bullet, just a yeah. magic pill. And suddenly you're cured forever. Mm. Um, there is hope, there is healing. Um, but often it, it's a lifestyle and it's a process, not yeah. just a destination. So.
2: Yeah, I know. I thought I would never be a youth pastor <laughs> and <laughs> I'm here today. Here you like, are. Yeah. Cool. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, I, I can understand if you're feeling that brokenness and it's just so heavy that you think things will never be normal again. I can tell you that um, it is a process, but today, um, thanks to God and and my community and and smart doctors, mm-hmm. you know, I am functioning. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and God's using me despite my brokenness. So
0: awesome! Thanks for sharing with us, Nathan. Oh, no problem. So Sean, during this podcast, we've heard testimonies from a couple young adults in our church who have shared about seasons of struggle with mental health, as well as some of the hope and healing that they found in those seasons. And so now uh, we wanted to sit down briefly with you to ask the big question. If there is a young adult who's listening to this podcast, um, who feels like they might be struggling with their mental health, what would you say is the next step? How would you encourage um, that person to reach out?
3: Yeah, I think the the first thing that I that I would I would say is is that uh, it's okay to to not be okay, right? I think that sometimes we put we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and even even when we're listening to to the stories of others, uh, we may we may feel that that that's okay for them, but. But that's that's not necessarily okay for 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 me and I think people are are oftentimes are, are, are scared to to realize uh, the things that they're going through themselves and so I just want to encourage uh, our, our young adults that um, that it's okay to to not be okay and I would just encourage um encourage them to to reach out um re- whether that's a, a friend or you know they can reach out uh, to us uh, here at the church like there's many different resources that we can that we can help uh, connect people with. Um, but I think that it's, it's really important for, for people to know that, um, especially here at the church, like one of the things that's, that's really important to me is, is that when people reach out, that they, they don't have the, have the sense that we are like secretly judging them or maybe not so secretly judged, like we're outright judging them. Like, no, no, it's not what it's about. Like are we are we're all on a journey. Uh, none of us are perfect uh, we have uh, times and seasons in our lives and that that we struggle and we we need somebody to come alongside of us and to, to walk together with us um, and I think that that's an important uh, to, to to recognize um, because we are and I've said this before like we are built for relationship and there, there's no escaping that you know like uh, we are created to be in relationship with God. Uh, but we're also created to be in relationship uh, with with other people and god uses other people to to help us to come alongside of us to to uh, to to strengthen us to to love us mm-hmm. yeah so
0: just to give a little bit of um Context: If a young adult, let's say, were to reach out to the church, um, maybe send you an email, send me an email, or a message on Instagram, what kind of support would they expect? What would be sort of the next steps? How would we follow up with that person?
3: Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and because it's not a, it's not actually a straightforward answer in the sense that we have we have. A multitude of different tools that we can use depending upon the situation, right? Sure, so, yeah. so sometimes people will, will phone will phone the church, and you know they're looking for some support, and that ends up being you know like a few sessions uh, with, with me. Um, you know, it's kind of at that at that pastoral level. I'll, I'll, I'll say, and so you know, just helping people to unpack some some things, and so it's kind of at that that level. Um, uh, we also have in as part of our, our toolbox, we also have Stephen ministers. Uh, so a Stephen Minister is somebody who would uh, connect with you once a week, and uh, Stephen Minister is a very unique um, uh, role in that. The Stephen Minister's job is to is to listen, um, and I can't uh, you know over tell that about how important that is, right? Like, um, just to have somebody who will actually their role, their job is to is to listen and to be a support, because uh, oftentimes. Um, you know, even just in verbalizing the things that we're going through to somebody else, they may not necessarily have some great deep insight. But, but even just verbalizing it our, ourselves can be can be quite helpful. And and a Stephen minister does more than just listen. I mean, they'll they'll pray together with you and 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 give some some words of encouragement, that that sort of thing. But. Uh, but that's available to to people as long as they would need it. So you would be assigned a Stephen minister. Stephen minister would would connect with you once a week uh, for however long you feel like that's needed. Uh, so that's that's one one thing as well. Uh, another is, is is we have Christian counselors that we connect people with. Uh, one of the important things to know about that is, uh, if if you're interested in going that route, uh, the church actually covers the costs uh, of that uh, for you know an initial three sessions uh, and potentially potentially more. Like one of the things that's important to me as the director of pastoral care, I do not want finances to be to be a barrier or to right. be an issue, and so yep. that's something that we that we just offer straight up. Uh, the reason why we we start with with three is just to make sure that you're. You know that you're making a good connection, yep, right. Sure. And so if you're not making a good connection with that counselor, well, we're open to you know trying trying another, like that that sort of thing. but but we're here for the for the long haul for people if that's something that they find is is helpful and beneficial and And most people who go that route do find it uh, helpful and beneficial. and so i'm I'm glad to that that we as a church are able to provide that as a support as well. Awesome. thanks, John. Yeah, you bet. happy to do so.
0: Thanks for listening to Canvas Continued on the Canvas Young Adults podcast from Grant Memorial Church. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss a show. Also, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at at @canvas_gmc.